Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now radio check. Now radio check for Affirmative, I read you. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. WBZ, you are Jay Talk. We're live midnight to five, and this would be a Tuesday. Tuesday just starting out. Brand new guest for me. I'm excited, and I know we're going to get along very well. Chris Osgood, who's Mayor Walsh's chief of the streets, transportation and sanitation, which is a big, what's a big heading? A lot of work there, right? It sure is. It's great to be on the show, first of all. So, what is included? Chris Osgood, in your job description, what are you, what are you responsible for? Sure. So Boston itself is about 48 square miles. Nine square miles of that is actually streets and sidewalks. And what the mayor wanted to do was to have a common agenda across those nine square miles. And that really is about three big sets of work. One is about how we design and construct our streets, making sure that our streets uh, are built to the standard that our residents want and can really support all the activities that we want across our city in all neighborhoods. The second area of big work is really around delivering exceptional basic city services. This is things like plowing the streets in the winter, picking up trash, recycling, and yard waste, making sure the street lights are on, removing graffiti, picking up uh, litter, all those sort of things that residents think of when they think of sort of having a great quality of life in a city. So you have to do all that? We, I thankfully have a fantastic team that I get to work on, work with, uh, and uh, they do a tremendous amount of work 24-7. How many people in the, in the department that you head? So there's about 800 folks across two main departments, uh, public works and transportation. And the transportation department really takes on the third big area of our work, which is really managing our streets so that people can move across the city, in and out of the city safely and well. How many people are you the boss of? Uh, there are a, a set of people in the office, a much smaller number in the office, who are a, a very talented group of folks. And thankfully, they're the ones who are really managing and executing a lot of the, the core work of the city. What's the hardest part of your job? Hiring? Uh, I think that, uh, frankly, there is so much that we want to get done in all those areas on our streets. And there are so many things that our residents correctly are asking for. And it's finding the right way to prioritize uh, our time to get the most done. What did you do before? Good question. So I actually uh, joined the city about 13 years ago uh, out, of, uh, out of business school and worked uh, then for Mayor Menino in, uh, in the mayor's office, working largely on a range of things uh, from improving the performance of our core departments to putting in a new 3-1-1 system, a system that residents uh, could use to be able to call City Hall and get core basic city services things done, like filling a pothole. Uh, from that, I then uh, worked with a friend and created something that's called the Mayor's Office of Newer Mechanics, sort of an innovation group inside of the Mayor's Office in Boston City Hall, and did that for a number of years. Uh, and then Mayor Walsh uh, asked me to move over from that position uh, into this Chief of Streets role uh, to work with the team here 
uh, really to support them in bringing uh, some new approaches to the way in which we're doing this this key work. You were involved with City Yit. Can you talk about that experience? Well, I was very fortunate between high school and college uh, to take a year off and, and work for City Year. And I would say that uh, in many ways, that was the year that I really fell in love with the city of Boston. Um, I had the great opportunity to be a teacher's assistant at the Mason Elementary School uh, uh, located in Boston and also uh, help lead a Saturday service program for eighth graders. Uh, and it was a remarkable experience. So, folks, we are going to get to talking about the rebuilding of the Long Island Bridge, but I'm enjoying getting to know Chris here. So what's big on your agenda? You, you know, not everything is equally important all the time. What's on the agenda these days? Sure. Uh, so there's a, a large range of things. Obviously, on the transportation side, we are thinking a lot about uh, how we can better uh, work with the state to improve mass transit in the city of Boston. We know that in order to be able to address congestion, to be able to lower emissions, to be able to help more people access jobs or school, um, it really is going to require us to have a world-class mass transit system. And so we are working hand-in-hand -hand with the MBTA on that. One key portion of that is a new transit team that the mayor has created. Uh, this is a team of individuals that work uh, for the city of Boston but are dedicated to basically partnering with the MBTA to put things in place like new dedicated bus lanes, which you could see in Rosendale, you can see in Brighton, you can see in the West End, in the North End. Uh, these are ways in which we're going to help people who take the bus every day be able to get to their job uh, or their final destination in a much more reliable manner. A dedicated bus lane, is that a bike and bus lane? You got it. So I, I saw one the other day, bike, bus. That's exactly right. All right. And uh, we, you and I were talking before the show about neighborhoods, including Boylston Street from Ipswich to the the old uh, Sears, Sears building, yep. which is now called what? It's the Landmark Center, but I believe it has a different, uh, may have another name from there. Yeah. Have you been there with that new food court? I have. What's your, what are your thoughts? I, it, was, uh, it was good. Uh, my, my meal was very good. The, the lawn out front is quite nice. Yes. They, they landscaped the lawn. I love that project where they redid the Muddy River. You know, between, exactly. it's good yeah. to have you here. You know what I wish? That they landscaped that Muddy River project a little better. It's just a bunch of bushes. It's nice to have it be green, but it looks just kind of like weeds. Maybe they could do something about that. I will. I, I, I will take that down. One of the things. I'm guessing that, that's not going to be a high priority, but still, how how much could that cost? That's a low dough item. We can uh, we, we we can note that for our park store. And I will say for folks who may not be aware, like sort of going connected to sort of the landmark center is a beautiful muddy muddy river path, uh, and we are working on a project to make it easier for folks to be able to connect to that muddy river path. Whether you're walking or biking, it's a, it's a beautiful part of both the city of Boston and the city of Brookline. I really appreciate the attention you, you give to non-automotive transportation, biking. And I myself am a representative for the pedestrian. I represent the pedestrians. So I'm glad you're, you're on the same page there. My take on that new uh, Landmark Center food court is it's loud, insanely loud. It's, folks, it's high-end. Uh, how would you describe the look of it? Um, modern, industrial, modern industrial, absolutely, sort of industrial, mm -hmm. high-end food, and it's definitely a destination. People go there to hang out. It's not just where you get lunch. It's what you do on a Friday night in many cases. But it's kind of like eating in a disco. It's that loud. They play the music very loudly. Now, the Long Island Bridge is something that is really, really challenging and First, there's the history factor of Long Island itself, Moon Island. I, I studied up on it. Super interesting. And then you had the bridge out there, and there were facilities for um, treating addiction. The bridge went away in 2014, and so did the 
the a place for the addicts to go to get treated. And we're left with a with a problem. So can you can deal with this any way you want. Op, open book test here. So I, I would say one key thing uh, to know about this is that we talk a lot about the Long Island Bridge, but the the actual work is around recovery, that the purpose of the Long Island Bridge is to really open a recovery campus back on Long Island. Uh, some of your listeners may be um, familiar with the Harbor Islands, uh, others not as much, but Long Island essentially is a, roughly a mile and a half, two mile Long Island, uh, sort of in the heart of, of Boston Harbor, uh, which, uh, as you noted, uh, used to be accessible by a bridge that connected Long Island to Moon Island, and then Moon Island connects uh, via Causeway uh, to Squantum and Quincy. Uh, in 2014, as you mentioned, uh, because the bridge had been deteriorating, uh, the bridge was closed in 2015. That bridge was removed after having stood for roughly 65 years. Uh, so for 65 years, there was this connection to a whole set of services that were over on Long Island um, that served um, both those uh, uh, support services for those uh, in recovery as well as uh, some homeless uh, services as well. So it's important to note the, the bridge is a means, not an end. Correct. The end exactly is right. recovery. Exactly so right. So think when you think bridge, think recovery. Exactly right. Okay. Now, uh, what has been the history of the plans to, re to rebuild recovery facilities out there and the, the means to those, the bridge? Absolutely. So in 2018, at uh, the start of this term for Mayor Walsh, uh, in his inaugural actually, he announced that we would be reopening a recovery campus on Long Island. And in order to do that, we need to rebuild essentially the superstructure of the bridge, the bridge deck itself. That was the section that was taken down. Uh, so in 2018, in January 2018, we basically started that process of um, focusing on the reconstruction of that superstructure. Uh, and we've done a, a couple of things during that process, really focused on uh, making sure that what we build uh, during the process of construction causes as least disruption as possible to residents of Quincy, uh, as well as any users in the, in the uh, sort of any folks who are using uh, the, the Boston Harbor. Uh, we're also trying to design a bridge that is causing at least the least amount of environmental impact as possible. Uh, and finding a way to actually build a bridge that's going to last for uh, at least 75 years. Uh, we think we've done that with the bridge design that we have, uh, and that is to basically build, build a bridge roughly 3,400 feet in length, connecting Moon Island and Long Island. It has roughly the same plan uh, as the previous bridge, uh, one lane in each direction uh, with a sort of a sidewalk on one side, and then we've made some modifications, uh, slight modifications to the bridge deck itself, again with those uh, ideas of improving uh, its lifespan, uh, increasing its resiliency, uh, dealing with stormwater runoff better, and reducing the environmental impact of the actual construction process. So you have to start from scratch. Those those cement supports that remained after the deck was gone, those are going to be taken away? Or do uh, those get used? No, they actually get used. So oh, okay. uh, it's a great point. So the old bridge, uh, the previous bridge, um, sat on 13 piers that uh, go between Moon Island and Long Island. Um, those piers remain. And as part of this process, we're actually going to be shoring up those existing piers and reusing them. And by being able to reuse those piers, we're actually going to be able to reduce the environmental footprint that this bridge will actually uh, have, the actual sort of reconstruction. So those piers are the little islands that the support. Are, you got it. Are, and are those concrete? Uh, so there's a, a range of sort of masonry and, and concrete that's, uh, that, is, that are part of those piers. And part of the effort uh, for the reconstruction is to shore those up. The main sections of the, of the work, though, is about building the bridge deck and sort of the supports for the bridge deck itself. Our plan is actually to build that. Uh, not in the harbor, but to build that uh, in the city of Boston and actually to float the main spans of the bridge uh, from Boston uh, out into uh, Boston Harbor and be able to mount them on the existing piers. So I, back to those, those 
Islands, you call them? Yeah, the piers. The piers. Aren't they old and weathered? I mean, sure. So we, wouldn't you want to build? It's just my gut. Hey, build new ones. They're not that not that big a deal. Yeah. So our team has actually done extensive testing of the piers, and we actually uh, have uh, seen that they can certainly uh, okay. be able to support uh, the bridge um, after we do some additional work, just simply to shore them up. All you need to do is have them last seventy-five years, mm -hmm. and you figure they can do that. Okay. And where exactly is the the plan to build the bridge where exactly would you float them from yeah so we've looked at a range of sites including some uh, uh, sort of in the south boston waterfront uh, which would be one possible area the ultimate uh, area that would be used would be in some ways dependent upon the contractor that was selected to build the bridge it's possible that there'd be a different and uh, preferred place um, to, to fabricate but we have set aside uh, this approach and we want to be able to take advantage of this approach again we we want to really reduce any disruption uh, during the course of construction and by building these sections uh, sort of on land and off site and floating them in we think can cause the least amount of environmental disruption and disruption for any neighbors and so they'll be floated to the site and then big crane would lift them up and they it's actually uh it, it's uh, they essentially get mounted as the tide is high and then as the tide recedes they sort of will descend onto the onto the piers it's a rather remarkable process uh, oh. that uh, have been has been used in other places uh, and would be used here did you entertain various ideas on how to do it did people different companies come in and pitch you so we've got a, a set of consultants on this uh, project who have a lot of experience in doing exactly this sort of work and doing bridge work uh, in and around uh, Boston and, and across New England. Uh, we've relied on their expertise to help guide our, our approach to the reconstruction of the superstructure. I guess that's enough about the bridge for now because the bridge is just a means to the end of recovery facilities on the island. What sort of facilities do you plan to build? Uh, there are buildings out there. Would those be knocked down and you'd replace them or use those buildings? Yep. Or? The intent is to use the buildings that are there. Uh, so folks can imagine essentially a small college campus. Uh, there's over a dozen buildings that stand uh, on the island that were part of uh, the former public health campus. Uh, those buildings are still there. Uh, they do need some tender loving care on, on the inside, but they uh, would, would be the, uh, the recovery campus itself. Uh, we have a fantastic uh, Chief of Health and Human Services, Marty Martinez, that's leading a public process around creating uh, the actual plan and program for those buildings. How many folks were serviced out there? How many patients, if you will, um, so I believe were, were out there? And well, I have more questions after this yeah, about so, that. So I believe there were roughly 700 uh, uh, individuals who were served there. Previously 500 uh, in a homeless shelter and 200 in, uh, for, for recovery services. How many do you really need if, in the best of all possible worlds, world, if you wanted to house all the folks that needed recovery, how many beds would you need in Boston? So uh, the actual sort of focus on creating that continuum of care is really the work of our Health and Human Services Department. Okay. They're the ones who are focused on that. Um, I would say that being able to, to support several hundred people in their recovery on a rebuilt uh, sort of at a in a campus at Long Island would have a significant impact, not just on the city of Boston, but on the entire region. This is a, a, a regional recovery. Campus. Okay. And when it closed, where did they go? So the city spent uh, a fair amount of time uh, focused on ensuring that there were both beds for those who were uh, who had been homeless as well as recovery supports um, for those who um, uh, were battling addiction. Uh, so the, the mayor, among other things, opened the city's or the nation's first. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Office of Recovery Services uh, has done a lot of outreach, expanded the, uh, the team's capacity to do street outreach uh, for those uh, looking to get into uh, various recovery programs. Uh, and has increasingly sort of sought outside resources to be able to uh, to boost the work that's happening inside the city of Boston. So you hear about the folks having to be on the street. To, to what degree is that the case? And and what areas did they go in and go to? And where have they migrated to? I'm I'm hearing that there are more f- people in need of recovery on the uh, right on the common. Have you heard that? So there are. I think that obviously uh, we are facing an epidemic. Uh, and there are a lot of folks who uh, are in need of recovery services. Um, w- among the areas that uh, we have been uh, focused on is the area around uh, Mass Ave and Melnia Cass and ensuring that we have uh, good outreach support, uh, good outreach services in those areas to make sure that folks uh, who are in need of recovery services are able to connect with them. And we have a lot of folks who are literally on the ground meeting with folks, uh, connecting with folks and helping them get access to the services they may need. Would a safe injection site be something that would be would take place on the island, on Long Island? So safe injection sites uh, are, as I understand it, and again, this is not my expertise, um, are something which are not allowed. Uh, they are not, uh, they're not legally allowed. Uh, and so that is not something which would be on the island. Uh, the, uh, uh, there's always been a number of conversations around the right type of support services to have, uh, but that would not be one of them. Okay. You know, Folks, if you're impacted by this bridge, if you're listening and you're one of the folks who would be impacted, I feel free to call. Usually I don't solicit calls, but you know, you might want to provide some feedback on on how you feel on this 617-254-1030, 617-254-1030. There was talk of a ferry, the folks that are negatively impacted by the bridge and the traffic floated the idea, floated the idea of a ferry but that's not feasible. Correct. So there's a number of reasons why uh, a bridge is the uh, is necessary in order for us to open up a recovery campus, or reopen a recovery campus on Long Island. First and foremost, uh, it is essential from a public safety standpoint. Um, our uh, fire commissioner, uh, Joe Finn, has made it very clear that in order for us to be able to actually have uh, good public safety access to Long Island, you simply need that bridge. We would not be able to get the fire apparatus that would be needed. Right. You couldn't uh, evacuate people if you needed to quickly enough. All the, all the whole range mm-hmm. of sort of public safety services could only be served by uh, uh, only be served uh, by having a bridge. That's sort of first and foremost. In addition to that, there's a range of other things that uh, are reasons why a bridge is preferable to uh, to a ferry service. Over that 75 year lifespan, uh, a ferry service actually ends up uh, costing the taxpayers more money. A ferry service also actually results in much more environmental uh, degradation of the Boston Harbor. Uh, both because you need to build ferry docks, you need to likely do some dredging, you'd also potentially need to remove the existing piers. All of that would cause some additional ferry, uh, uh, additional environmental concerns uh, in the harbor. And then likely because of the permitting process itself, it would actually even take us longer to open up a recovery campus on Long Island uh, if we were to rely on a ferry service. But again, to your point, first and foremost, it's simply that a, uh, without a bridge uh, to Long Island, we would not be able to provide the public safety services necessary to support public health campus. All right. I'm going to get into the process. Mm-hmm. It would be great if we could wait till the end of the 
to the break game, but we can't. So I'll get started. Maybe we'll get one or two points into the process and we'll continue after the break. There is a process. There's a permitting process. There's also a, pro a process of working with local folks who are impacted. And uh, I'll let you take this step by step in any way you want. Sure. Uh, so we have one minute and then we'll continue after the break. Very good. Uh, so again, our work really started uh, in 2018. Uh, and as part of that, to your point, there is a process. Um, by the end of 2018, uh, we had actually applied for all of the uh, uh, major permits that are required for uh, reconstructing the superstructure of the Long Island Bridge. Uh, by essentially fall of this year, we've also completed the design of uh, the Long Island Bridge. Uh, throughout this process, there are permits that one needs at the local level, at the state level, and the federal level that we can walk through. Um, we are going through that process right now. We've had a number of community meetings associated with those permits. And in those places where uh, the state has reviewed the permit applications, uh, three of those cases, uh, they've actually granted us the approval or the necessary permit that we've need to, needed to move forward. We do have a, a person who wants to ask us a question. This is John in Boston, kind of wants to talk. Say hi to Chris, John. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm great, John. How are you? Now, are you a developer? Uh, not a developer. You're a planner for this new um, bridge? That's correct. Uh, so my team is working on the reconstruction of the Long Island Bridge. Right. So why don't they just tell the mayor down in Quincy to, um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come in and do it, and that's it. I mean, other people in the city over the, over the last 20 years plus of the big dig, we had to all deal with the big dig. And nobody complained about it, you know, Southeast Dorchester, East Boston, the whole network around Boston. You know what I mean? So why can't just Quincy, he'll have to just, um, you know, put his pride aside, whatever, the mayor there, and um, have trucks go in and out. It'll get guys working, different locals. I don't know if uh, one, one town can tell another town, well, sovereign town, what to do. So I think one one bit of, uh, one thing to note, John, and I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the call. Um, we the uh, where Long Island actually starts from Moon Island is actually in Quincy. Uh, so right. the, the line between Quincy and Boston essentially bisects uh, the uh, the Long Island Bridge. And so there's an important part of engagement that we need to do with Quincy, um, both uh, because uh, they are sort of the neighbors of this project or, and part of it is being uh, built within Quincy and because there's a permitting role that Quincy plays in the Long Island Bridge process. Well, yeah, are you good with that? No, I mean, there's just trucks going in and out of in and out of there. It's not like they're going to be blasting the road and going in and out of Squanum. They're just going to be driving in and out, bringing, you know, gravel or whatever they're going to do and, you know, do what they have to do on this end and then the other end. And then you say you're going to budge in the new sections. I mean, like, I'll tell you, for instance, a story about the Big Dig. From Atlantic Ave, like off of Nalen Street, from Atlantic Ave all the way up to past Folks Lobster, there was all sections of roadway that was su supposed to be reused for all these bridges in the Commonwealth of Mass that are falling apart, still falling apart. All those sections of um, going across Atlantic Ave all the way up, like I said, to Hook's Lobster, were supposed to be saved and, re and reused the way they were made, right? Just like those sections of... Um, of like the uh, the lower deck by Boston Sand and Gravel, so on and so forth, um, they were all um, brought in, you know, by trailers, piece by piece. And what do they do? What did Modern Continental do? They brought them back down to their their lovely um, 
headquarters there in Bellingham, Mass., and they, they, they use hoe rams to demolish them. They were supposed to be reused again. How is this, rela- I mean? How is this related to the Quincy well, just, project? Just in general, it just, just you know, the, the mayor of um, Quincy, um, I, I can't think of his name, is it, is it uh, Gooch or whatever his name is, you just have to suck it up and let us come in there and do the work, and that's it. For the greater you know good. I mean? For the greater good. All right, let's uh, let Chris uh, respond. So certainly we right. think that uh, it is that building the bridge is for the greater good. That, build, that rebuilding the Long Island Bridge allows us to create that recovery campus, which is is really essential for for our entire region right now. Um, and I do think, though, that uh, to your point, that what we are what we're proposing here actually is uh, is of a much much smaller scale than many of the things which uh, which many neighborhoods have experienced uh, and we're taking additional steps to your point john to have it have even less impact than other major construction projects or construction projects that have happened by doing things like building sections uh sort of not in the harbor and trying to reduce as much of the construction impact on on the residents in squantum so there's more to it than just traffic going through it part of the actual project occurs in quincy right the part of the bridge part is of the bridge. in quincy exactly so right. they actually have they have to have a say in exactly what, right you know, one one mayor can't just be the boss of another mayor, correct? Exactly. Okay. Well, well, um, our lovely mayor wants to rebuild City Hall Plaza. That's going to cost some odd, I don't know, forty-four million dollars, and rebuild City City Hall. Why leave that alone? That 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 building is is there. It's been there for years. What the, the major money's going to cost is because the T runs underneath all that brick sidewalk and that whole. Um, plaza out there. There's nothing wrong with that. Leave it alone. Spend money on other streets. There's tons of streets in the city, Dorchester, Milton, Boston, that are, are so banged up. All, a lot of manhole covers are taking dives. Um, Boston Warren Sewer manhole covers, especially, um, are taking dives. They're, they're sinking. The castings need to be rebuilt. Um, there's so much more stuff that he needs to address for one thing and, and for, for the Boston side. Okay, John, I'm gonna I gotta run now, but thank you. I very, know I got off. I got cut off there. Little, Sorry. A little bit off topic, but thank you for the input. I, I have feelings about City Hall Plaza too. Thanks, John. So he mentioned City Hall being taken down. There's no plans for that, is there? No. I, uh, what John was referencing was just the plaza there. Correct. So there's there's an effort right now to figure out how do we uh, have City Hall Plaza be sort of a more more welcoming and more dynamic have space a, in the city. I have a cheap fix. You don't, need a, to, you don't need to dig anything up at all. Just cover it with three feet of dirt and plant trees and uh, maybe more dirt. Just lots of dirt and make a nice landscaped area. That's pretty cheap, right? So in some of the, uh, the plans, uh, we are looking at having more trees on the plaza. There's another team which is leading that effort, but certainly adding some more greenery to that plaza is sort of a, a core part of the plan. Dirt and plants, shrubbery, uh, what do you, landscaped garden. What do you call it? A fan- when you have a fancy garden in a uh, sculpted garden, I, I can't think of the actual name of it. Anyway, moving on. I appreciate that. Let's get back to the process. What are the actual permits that need to, that need to be obtained? Sure. Uh, so there's a set of permits that are uh, connected with uh, the impact the bridge may have on wetlands. Uh, which are essentially uh, managed either through the Boston Conservation Commission or the Quincy Conservation Commission. So they signed off on the wetland uh, so permits, the, right? So the uh, Boston Conservation Commission initially approved the Quincy Conservation Commission through the State Wetlands Ordinance uh, initially uh, 
essentially denied. Quincy appealed the Boston Conservation Commission's determination. Boston appealed the Quincy Conservation uh, Commission's determination. Both of those were heard by the state. Uh, the state issued what is called a superseding order of conditions, essentially affirming Boston's approach, uh, which and uh, allowing us to be able to move forward. That now is actually itself being appealed. There's a set of state permits as well. Uh, there's a uh, what's called a Chapter 91 license, which is uh, really focused on sort of access to the water itself, uh, as well as uh, uh, sort of a, a certificate which is needed through uh, the MEPA office. Uh, and what's MEPA? Uh, it is the Massachusetts Environmental. Oh boy. Uh, anyway, I'm, at this hour, I'm, I apologize. Yes, you, you Massachusetts Environmental Protection Agency. Agency. Thank you. Uh, and. MEPA uh, actually uh, sort of affirmed our approach, uh, and we are going through the Chapter 91 license uh, process right now. Uh, we actually uh, had a, a community meeting down in Squantum uh, this past summer uh, focused on the Chapter 91 license. Uh, it was a great opportunity to be able to hear from a wide range of folks, both from Quincy and from Boston, on the process. Uh, it's one of uh, six public conversations that we've had uh, around the reconstruction of the Long Island Bridge or, or its superstructure. Uh, we had one that was actually originally uh, scheduled for uh, uh, Quincy High School, but ended up in, in Dorchester. Uh, one, uh, the Chapter 91 uh, license hearing, which we had in Squantum, and then four we've had at Quincy City Hall. How much lobbying do you do? How much do you get out and talk to the opposition? So in all of these, uh, in all of these public conversations, we have the opportunity to engage with stakeholders, whether they're residents in Quincy, residents in Boston, uh, elected officials, um, both from Quincy, Boston, or beyond, uh, and they're all opportunities for us to be able to hear their feedback. Um, and that feedback, you know, similar to John's point, uh, is often around concerns about uh, the impact on sort of the roads around Squantum, additional traffic in Squantum, uh, or in Quincy, uh, as well as uh, sort of use restriction concerns around the island. One of the things the mayor has made very clear is that uh, he is willing to take steps with Quincy uh, to really reinforce the point that our our focus here, our sole focus here, is really about restoring a recovery campus on Long Right, Island. and it's not going to be a slippery slope into just jamming all kinds of stuff there. Exactly right. <laughs> As I use the, uh, yeah, a different sort of language to describe it. Um, do residents ask for a sort of quid pro quo? Like, I tell you what, we'll let you drive your trucks through here if you build us a park. The, does that kind of thing happen? That is not what we've heard. It's been more uh, sort of folks raising concerns about the long-term use of Long Island and just raising concerns about traffic and squantum. Okay, let's take a break. And uh, have we pretty much covered this? Okay. If anyone else would like to um, comment on this, that's fine. The bridge that is the means to building a recovery facility on Long Island. But uh, since our guest is the chief of streets, transportation, and sanitation, I have some questions about scooters, bicycles, etc. I know what other communities are doing with scooters. I'm curious about Boston. I bet you're curious too. It's WBZ Boston's News Radio. Jay talking, Bradley Jay. Hey Bradley Jay, wanna hear you say to the light of day. WBZ News Radio 10:30. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Do you want to talk? About what? I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Jay Talking with Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. We continue with Chris Osgood, Mayor Walsh's Chief of Streets, Transportation, and Sanitation. And we have Ralph in Maine. Ralph, we have a short time. Hi, Ralph. Hey, Bradley. Hi. Hey, How are you? Great. Say hi to Chris Osgood. You got all the engineers there. Thank you. The uh, Hey, I was wondering, we, we have a uh, military that we spend 600 I'm going to have to keep. Uh, I'm going to have to keep on. you right on uh, the topic. Is well, this? Is I'm this... talking about the military engineers helping out with the bridges. Okay. Uh, I find that that bridges are very important in this country, and there are hundreds, maybe thousands of bridges that need to be replaced. All right. Let me ask Chris Tomorrow. about Chris about that. I do have a real short time. You, you don't need to use the Army Corps of Engineers, do you? That's not the issue. You have plenty of people to do it. So they actually do have a role in the permitting oh, side good. of this. Yay. Um, good job, Ralph. Largely led, actually, the, the federal permitting will largely led by the, be led by the uh, U.S. Coast Guard, but the Army Corps of Engineers does play or will be playing a role, not on the construction side, but on the permitting side. Cool. Now it's Scott in North Quincy. Hi, hi Scott. Hello. Hi, Scott. Are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, great. Say hi to Chris Osgood, Mayor Walsh's Chief of Streets, etc. Hi, Scott. Hi, Chris. Great show. I love the topic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just getting out of work at the hospital uptown here. How can we help? Yeah. So the question that I've had is, uh, you know, those services could have been running this whole time if they had only used the ferry service. We addressed um, that. We addressed how the ferry had, it was fraught with problems. I must have uh, been in the locker room getting out of my scrubs when you did that. But, uh, no, well, I, I go over to Martha's Vineyard Hospital and service the OR over there and stuff, and, and they seem to do fairly well with the ferry. And uh, it would be helpful to the people there receiving treatment because they're, they wouldn't have any temptations to just walk off the island. Fair and enough. I, we're we're really low on time, Scott. Uh, we can give the short version of why the ferry's not the way to go. Sure, Scott. At, at the heart of it, the, the fundamental challenge uh, that we face is that we would not be able to provide good public safety service to the public health campus that's there, uh, whether that's fire service or uh, other related emergency services. Uh, a bridge is the only way we can make we can have the right public safety services uh, for uh, the campus that we envision. All right. Let's use the final. Final uh, few moments here. Talk about scooters and bicycles and any other miscellany that you would like to address. Scooters. You see them around in at least one community, Brookline, maybe Cambridge. E-scooters, they're a thing across the country. You probably keep your eye on how it's working out. Some cities have, the scooters have been removed because the rules put down irritated the companies that supply them enough. So they just said, the heck with it, we're leaving. Uh, what is Boston's take on e-scooters? Sure. Uh, so what has taken off in a number of different cities are these scooter share programs. These are not just electric scooters, but they're scooters that essentially uh, you can are, are shared between multiple users. Um, they are not allowed in the city of Boston. Um, 
right now, uh, the Massachusetts general law makes it clear that electric scooters actually have to have things like uh, brake lights and turn signals. And a lot of these shared scooters don't have those things. So we are not currently permitting any uh, scooter share programs in the city of Boston. What if somebody shows up with those things? So we have put in place uh, earlier this year, working with the Boston City Council, a, uh, a clear system where the Boston Transportation Department would be able to issue permits to a scooter share program, uh, an e-scooter program, uh, if it was something which uh, the city desired. A key part of that, uh, going off of something which you mentioned earlier, is that we've created essentially a uh, advisory task force uh, with a number of different stakeholders, including members of the city council, um, our Office of Persons with Disabilities, uh, our elderly commission, and a number of other constituents. One of the things we heard during a lot of the public uh, uh, sort of comments and hearings about scooters is that as much as there may be some constituents who want scooters, there's a large number of constituents who are worried about uh, scooters littering sidewalks and making it much harder for people to be able to walk around the city of Boston. Um, so uh, we've heard that feedback. We want to make sure that if this is a direction that we go, that we've got the right type of program in place to make sure it works for all road users. Okay. Well, I have some experience with living with scooters, so I'm happy to give you feedback anytime Perfect. you need it. Let me. You want to hear my evolution on the whole thing? That'd be great. So I am. I uh, use the T. I'm not. I'm not a big motorist in the city. I'm a public transportation and walking guy. And when the scooters first showed up, they really impacted me and my sensibilities, I suppose, as much as anything else. It's true. Somebody pointed out. Well, you don't mind the bikes just locked up anywhere. I don't know. It didn't seem to be the same thing. Initially, I I was irritated by everything. Everything about them, but I evolved to kind of appreciate the, the very minimal footprint, the zero noise. Now I like them better around me than bicycles, hmm. and I realize that bicycle lanes are underutilized. And if scooters use those lanes, then that's pretty good use of. Uh, you don't need any additional space. I would like one thing that's problematic is enforcement. There's no enforcement. On, on the little things like public use of marijuana. People just ignore that rule. There's no enforcement on bicycles acting in a dangerous manner, blasting through red lights, dangerous for pedestrians and motorists alike. And doesn't seem to be any enforcement on scooters on the sidewalk. Stay off the sidewalk. Stay in your lane. Now I continue about the, the business model. I don't have anything against scooters anymore per se, it's the business model. I like scooters. I think they're dangerous, but if you're willing to if you're willing to take on that danger, whatever. I saw somebody wipe out the other day. I'll tell you about that later. The business model says, we have this product, we want to rent to you. And we're just going to throw it out there in the public space and make money. So if they can just throw their product out there to rent in the public space, why can't I? Hmm, I'd like to rent my bicycle. I'll, just, I'll invent something that will allow persons to swipe their card on my bicycle. I'll just throw it out there. And if I can do that, why not my furniture? I'd like to rent my furniture. I'll just use the public space and throw my furniture out there. You rent it on the owner system. When you're done, just throw it back out there for people to stumble over. It seems to, in a way, that reduces it to absurdity. But in a way, it's completely true. Why should companies make money? using my public space and actually defiling, that's kind of a strong word, but diminishing my public space. So it's the business model. If they weren't thrown willy-nilly about, 
I, I guess I'd like it much better. I really wish people would buy their own scooter. That would be the way to go. They, I'm sure you've thought about all this more than I have. What is your thought? I, I do think that you're absolutely right that public space is incredibly valuable and that uh, we do want to make sure that uh, it's being treated in a way that works for, uh, for everybody. That is why we uh, have put in place the rules that we've put in place to make sure that whether it's something like scooters or, or any other product, that they would have to go through the appropriate permitting system. We don't want uh, uh, things showing up that residents uh, don't necessarily want to have in their parks, on their streets, on their sidewalks, et cetera. One thing I don't understand is I'll be walking, what's the walkway between, well, the, the Sears building and then the Brookline, Brookline Village T-Stop and the Sears building? There's that nice Muddy River walkway. Muddy River Path, yep. Mm -hmm. Muddy River Path. And I'll just see a scooter abandoned there. Like, just curious, why did they abandon the scooter there? Why didn't you ride it somewhere? Why, why did you leave it here in the middle of nowhere and walk the rest of the way? What's up with that? So the concerns that you're raising are exactly <laughs> the same concerns that we heard sort of through the city council hearings uh, that we had on scooters. Um, and we're very mindful that uh, these are the things we'd have to wrestle with before we'd allowed something like this on, on City of Boston streets. And how are the bicycle programs going? Any improvements need to be made on that? Uh, people don't need to wear helmets. That seems strange. You know, people are concerned. They're encouraged to do the safe thing all the time, except when there's money involved. Yeah, you don't have to wear the scooter, the, the helmet. What are the thoughts on that? So we're actually seeing a significant increase in, in bike ridership across the city of Boston. Uh, one of the ways we've been able to see that is through what's called the Blue Bike Program. Yeah. This is a bike share program. Brookline, as you know, uh, Boston, Cambridge, Somerville, and now Everett are all parts of these, uh, this program. Uh, last year, we had 1.7 million rides uh, taken through the Blue Bike Program. Uh, we've actually, we were well on track to shatter that uh, that record this year. We had never broken more than 10,000 trips a day uh, until this year, and we're already up at a sort of new, new all-time highs of above 13,000 trips a day taken by Blue Bike. So it is increasingly becoming a popular way for people to be able to get around. That's really enabled by two things. One, we've put more bike share stations in more neighborhoods across the city, so folks can actually be able to get to and from uh, by Blue Bike if they'd like. Just as important to your earlier point, we put in the bike infrastructure, things like bike lanes or cycle tracks, uh, in more places that allow biking to be a more comfortable experience for more people. Good for you. The timing works out perfectly. Perhaps you'll come back another time. I, ho I hope this is a pleasant experience, and you can come back. Maybe we can address Uber and how that impacts uh, the crowded streets. Uh, it, it impacts the streets in ways I didn't understand until recently. I still don't completely understand it. And uh, there are a lot of things to cover. If this was fun for you and worthwhile, I hope you'll come back. My pleasure. Thanks, All right. Bradley. Thank you very much, Chris Osgood, Mayor Walsh's Chief of the Streets, Transportation, and Sanitation. Cool title. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.